Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A-Sides. On this episode, I had the chance to talk with the one and only Mr. Ricky Warwick. All right, Ricky. Well, hey, man. How's it going? Hey, it's going okay, thanks. Yeah, pretty good. Right on. So you've got you've got a new album that's coming out. I'll just start off by uh, just going right into that. Um, yeah. It's called When Life Had When Life Was Hard and Fast. Yes, sir. And this is how how many solo records for you? I think this is album number six, if I'm correct. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah. I could have looked that up beforehand and known that myself, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought about it just now, and I thought, man, you do have a lot of you have a lot of records between the solo stuff and the Black Star Rider stuff, and I'm an old man. I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool, man. Uh, so was this was this record um, was it recorded kind of over the course of the last year during this this whole pandemic and all this bullshit, or uh, was it something that was done before and it's just kind of been shelved until the time seemed right it was recorded before it was recorded in 2019 but it wasn't shelved i i had always intended to release it early in 2021 um you know obviously recorded before the pandemic the pandemic didn't affect the release schedule uh, i was supposed to be touring last year with my my other band black star writers we were supposed to be out for most of last year so that's why the solo record was always slated for release this year. And uh, when that got canceled, we just decided to stick to the schedule. We didn't. It seemed silly to bring the release forward of the solo record into a, the, a pandemic. You know what I mean? We thought if we leave it at twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, we'll see where we're at. And sadly, we're still in the pandemic, so that hasn't changed. But uh, that was the thinking behind it. Right. So, is there a plan to tour behind it once? You can. I mean, I guess. yeah. I mean, it's just it, we're at the mercy of this pandemic. I mean, it, I mean, when that will be, who knows? Who can say? I mean, it, it's sadly no. Nobody seems to really to, to know. Obviously, we're looks like we're turning a corner now, and uh, we're starting to slowly come out of this. But how long that the process is going to be? You know, how long is a piece of string? Who knows? Uh, I, I mean, I, I miss it. Touring's what I what I do. I'm usually on the road six, seven months out of the year. So to have that taken away from me has been quite a big wrench, but uh, you know, hopefully we'll get back, back back there. But I mean, like everybody else, I want to get back there when it's safe for everybody to to start going to shows and for us all to be move about freely. Right. Yeah, we all miss it, and I know everybody I'm talking to is kind of you know, yeah, just chomping at the bit to get back out there. But you know, what can you do? Um, have you been writing any new stuff while? Not you know, I, I, I write all the time. I mean, I, so that really didn't, again, didn't change for me. Obviously, it's just given me more time because I've not been going on the road. So, you know, I've just been um, holding up my little studio um, pretty much every day, just working on stuff and, you know, writing a, writing a bunch of songs, keep myself as busy as I can. I'm doing a lot of promo for the record, which has been really good. Uh, made a couple of videos for some of the tracks that are on the album, which has been a good distraction too. So, yeah, just trying to keep as busy as I can. Yeah. So you're not you're not following it up with an immediate solo release, right? <laughs> Four months no, later. Let's get this one, let's get this one out <laughs> first and, and 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 give it and give it a chance before we uh, we, we head back in for the next one. Yeah, right on. Well, hey man, you know I really dig the record. Um, 
got Thank a chance you. to listen to it. The opening track, um, that one really uh, has a lot, and a few a few of the songs I felt this way about. Like there's a lot of uh, the Thin Lizzy vibe going on as far as some of the vocal phrasing. I think so. I mean, obviously you that would have an influence being in that band for the time period that you were. Sure. Um, so, I mean, yeah. is that something that you feel like has affected your, your, your writing, the way you write some of the melodies and stuff since coming out of I that? Think it's, I think it's always affected me. I, you know, I growing up in Ireland, Finn Lizzy were, were my band when I was a kid and my favorite band of all time and, and have been for the last four years. So, you know, Phil and, and, the whole thing, Leslie Stein, has always been a huge influence uh, on me. Um, you know, and I think Phil is one of the greatest lyricists that there is in rock and roll. And uh, he's certainly uh, been some, somebody I've aspired to and looked up to um, from throughout my own career. Um, and then obviously being being in the band for the last 10 years has been, been amazing. Um, and, you know, I, I wear my influences on my sleeve. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to try and hide behind anything. You know, I, I love all kinds of music and... Uh, you know, um, I'm certainly not going to, you know, say, well, no, it's all original and blah, blah, blah. I'm influenced by so much stuff. And Lizzie's, Lizzie's certainly a big part of that. Right. Yeah. Um, there was another cheap trick. There was some moments in this album where I thought, man, I got to ask him if he's a big sure. cheap trick fan because sure. I definitely felt elements of that throughout. Um, I'll, ver- I'll, I'll very much so. Yeah, that's cool. You, you picked up on that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, no. They're such great songwriters. They're such great songs. They're an amazing band. You know, definitely the melodies that they come up with are so strong and so hooky and so catchy. They've definitely been an influence over the years. Yeah, the, uh, excuse me, Uh, Gunslinger and You Don't Love Me, I think, were two of the highlights as far as, you know, the more kind of upbeat stuff. But one one song that seemed to really stand out to me is, uh, I think it was called Time Don't Seem to Matter. The ballad, right. the acoustic ballad. Yeah. Man, I thought that one was, you know, probably the best ballad I've heard come from you. And thank you. There's not a lot. There ha- there really haven't been too many rock acts that have written like an acoustic ballad in a while that have really mm-hmm. grabbed me. You know, I mean, there's some mm-hmm. of the obvious like singer songwriters out there like Jason Isbell and. You know, right. guys like yeah. that that are just killing it to where, you know, hell, I don't know, maybe some rock guys listen to Southeastern and said, man, fuck it, I'm not even going to try to do that anymore. But this one, man, I I thought, goddamn, this is really one of the best ballads I've heard in a while. Thank so, you. Thank you. So, you know, kudos on that, man. I appreciate that. Thanks Not to sit here and lay it on too thick. but <laughs> No, it's a real personal song. I mean, you know, it, it, it's written about my daughter. and It's my daughter that's duetting on the song with me. Oh, nice. Um, I was wondering who, if that was. You so, know. yeah, it's, it's my little girl. and uh, So it's it's an intensely personal song for me. And, um, yeah, you know, it's a song I'm really proud of it, obviously, for obvious reasons. And to have her sing on there is a real proud dad moment for me. And it's a very special song for me. Well, nice, man. And then, you know, another one that stood out to me, Clown of Misery. Mm-hmm. That one was interesting because it had, like, this lo-fi thing going. And, yeah. I, you know, so I wondered if that was just, like, originally just the demo and you just kind of said, fuck it, like, I, I'm happy <laughs> with how this turned out and I want to throw it on there. I think it's really cool the way that, you. you know, it's it's stuck in there it's, like that. 
it is. It's an iPhone recording. It's lifted straight from the iPhone. <laughs> it's me. It's me singing the song, getting the idea, singing the song into the iPhone, right. sending it to to my co-producer Keith Nelson, going, "We need to record this," and him going, "Dude, it's done." And I'm saying, "What do you mean?" He goes, "I just love the desperation of the whole thing and the vibe." He said, "Let's." distort it a little let's try and make it sound like an old hank williams woody guthrie 78 from the late 40s and give it that feeling and and let's just leave it at that and i thought it was a genius call on his part and uh, yeah so we we resisted the temptation to to go in and start polishing it up because i think it would have lost something you know the lyric is so kind of sad and, and just the whole feeling behind the song he just said he just felt it had something and i agreed with him and it was a great call yeah yeah, I mean, sometimes, you know, a performance is just one in a million shot. And, I mean, to recreate that, especially if you're really in the moment when you recorded that. I yeah, mean, I mean, even going back to Time Don't Seem to Matter, that's the demo. Oh, that, is it? The, the guitar and the vocal is me, one take, sitting in front of a mic, singing it with a stinking head cold, thinking, oh, nobody's ever going to hear this. And, you know, I'll sing it better when my, when my head's clear and i got a better voice. And then us going in the studio and trying to recreate it, not being able to recreate the feeling of the vibe we had that day. Sure, we added the strings and, and I added my daughter's voice on later, but the actual guitar and vocal is, is the is the actual demo. That's cool, man. I don't you don't Thanks. hear it too often, you know? Or or maybe it happens more often than we hear. I don't I don't know, but but that's really maybe people maybe people don't don't want to admit it. They want to go, oh no, we spent, you know, we got all the gear in for that and uh, yeah. Well, I right. think it's cool, you know, because I think for me, making records about capturing a, a vibe and a, a moment and a feeling at where you're at in that time in your life. And, you know, that's why I find it easy. I, that's why I'm pretty good at walking away. I'm not one for going and tinkering or, you know, I need 700 takes to try and because you'll end up using the first two take one first couple of takes are always the best because that's the time you, you you have the most media and attitude and most intent when you're when you're performing. And I adhere, I adhere to that, you know, and so an album to me is just capturing where your head is at and where you're at at that, that point in your life. Right on, man. Yeah, that's, uh, I don't know, that's kind of cool to hear, you know, because some people probably chase that trying to make the record slick, you know, and get make it sound, sure. you know, for radio and make, you know, it sound huge and you know, what makes a right. song sound huge? What makes a song sound slick? And those those aren't always the things that make a song good. I mean, a lot of my favorite records, some of the albums sound like straight shit, you know? I mean, some well, of the yeah. early yeah, Motorhead exactly. stuff, you know? and Right, exactly. So, um, so what, you know, speaking of, I guess, I think I heard somewhere, I think I've heard you mention before that you're a Motorhead fan. Yeah, very um, much so. And, you know, we already t- touched on cheap trick and thin lizzie but as far as you know all your influences um you know what are some of your earliest influences and what are some that maybe you picked up you know later on mm-hmm. i mean anything it's a huge eclectic taste in music i mean i really got into music from my dad when i was a kid my dad would play a lot of johnny cash and patsy klein um you know and, and frank sinatra records when i was when i was little and those are the first that's the first music I remember really hearing and really appreciating. And then just graduating, graduating to, into punk rock, a lot of punk rock stuff, and then discovering a lot of Motown, a lot of Northern Soul, and then into the heavier rock stuff like Motorhead, Lizzie, ACDC, Sabbath, you know. Um, 
and I'll listen to anything, man. If it's if it's a good song and it's got intent, it's written well, it's played well, it's heart and soul in it, I'll be a fan of it. It doesn't matter what genre it's in. Right on. So you uh, is there is there any uh, specific newer bands that you are like a fan fan of? You know. Yeah, there's a couple. It's a band called the Viagra Boys from Sweden. Don't know if you've heard of them. I think they're really cool. What were they called? I'm sorry. Viagra. Viagra, Viagra Boys. Boy. Oh, okay. Viagra I haven't heard Boys, of those, yeah. no. Yeah, they're good. They're really cool. There's another um, There's another young Scottish rock band called Anchor Lane. Anchor Lane that I'm really re- doing really good. There's another UK band called Those Damn Crows that are really happening right now. So there's a few, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, I'll have to check those out, man, because I, you know... I've probably mentioned it a few times just on this podcast that there's a lot of bands overseas that I end up finding and really digging, but here in the U.S., you know, it's like uh, I don't get too excited about anything anymore. And, you know, there's a Swedish band, oh, probably six months ago or so that I stumbled across accidentally called Jesus Chrysler Supercar. And Uh I was like, fuck, this is great. And it was actually, I discovered it just... uh, I was searching for a record by the band Lucifer on Amazon. I was searching to see, they did that Tom Waits record or that Tom Waits cover. And I was looking to see if they were putting any, anything out on vinyl. And so I literally just searched Lucifer vinyl. And then this album called Lucifer by this band pops up. And it was just one of those things. I I looked at the the band name and it was such a fucking crazy band name. I'm like, Jesus Chrysler supercar. What the fuck? And I expected them to be like some death metal band or something crazy. And they ended up being fucking great. I mean, um, I instantly had to buy all their stuff and, you know, that's cool. Well, that's good. A lot of motorhead. So, you know, that's what's the internet's good for. It can take you down those rabbit holes. You know, when you go searching for something, you, you end up like on some crazy playlist and discovering all this kind of stuff that you, you'd never heard before. I mean, that's that's cool. I love I love it when that happens. Yeah, man, it's neat. It's one of the few things the internet seems to be good for. Sometimes yeah, right. <laughs> music. I, I, I I agree with that. Yeah. 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 So, um, the Black Star Rider stuff. You guys put out. You guys put out a record a couple of years ago. Now was the last Black Star Riders album. I think. Uh, the last the last album came out the in September 2019. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember yeah. that one. And so is that. Still, I mean, are you guys planning on doing another Black Star Riders? Yeah, well, absolutely. It's it's written, it's demoed. We're just waiting to get into the studio to record it as soon as we can all safely get together. Um, uh, hopefully, that'll be in the summertime um, here in LA. And we'll get back in with Jay Rustin again, who produced the last the last album. But yeah, absolutely. No, we're we're uh, very much still rocking and rolling. Oh, cool, man. And uh, Damon Johnson's not. Is he part? He's not part of that. No, he anymore, no, he ran he? away. He ran away. <laughs> yeah, he ran away. He ran away in 2018. Ah, I gotcha. He, he, he didn't want to. He didn't want to be part of the circus anymore. He, uh, you guys, I think, man, I'm trying to think of how long ago it was, but you and him played like an acoustic, did like a little acoustic yeah. tour, and came right. through Peoria, Illinois. Here, we did indeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He seems to come through Peoria a lot. I think. I mean. Uh, my band's open for him a couple times, and right on. Well, I think I think his I think brother I think brother Kane were pretty big up in uh, Illinois, right? Chicago. Oh that yeah, area. yeah, yeah. I think we had a local DJ that just loved brother Kane back yeah. when it came out and just played the fuck out of him. Yeah. And I think he's kind of the reason why 
Damon's yeah. come back through here so many times, but of course. And then I think the last time Black Star Riders, I believe, came through Bloomington, Illinois, opening for Judas Priest on the uh, yeah, that would have been right. Was that on the the tour for the last record? Yeah, that would have been 2018. Yeah. Are you guys? A, are you a big Judas Priest fan? Uh, yeah, of course. You I mean yeah. they're just there's nobody like Judas Priest, right? You know. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> I guess kind of everybody is if they're. Yeah, they're, they're just one of those bands that if, if you don't like Judas Priest, there's gonna be something wrong with you. That's the way I look at it, you know. <laughs> yeah, was that a was that a fun tour then? Getting to it open? was amazing. You know, it was it was a killer tour. <laughs> We've done a lot of stuff with those guys over the years, not just the states, but in Europe too. And they look after us so well, and they're just their whole crew, the whole entourage. They're just good people to be on the road with. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys have. I mean, you between the Almighty. The Thin Lizzy stuff, the Black Star Rider stuff, and your solo career. I mean, you've opened for for tons of people. And I think I heard Yeah. I think I heard somewhere too, wasn't your first solo acoustic gig like opening for Def Leopard in front of a shit ton of people or something. But it was just a gig. I ended up I was on the road with them for a year. And I'm right. opening solo solo acoustic for them all pretty much all of two thousand and three. Those guys took me out on the road, yeah. Yeah. Which was unbelievable. Just unbelievable. And so, I mean, that was kind of like how you kind of got your feet wet and got used to doing the yeah, solo acoustic you know, thing. Joe, Joe, would, Joe would produce my first solo record. Joe Elliott produced the first solo record. And then he's like, how do you feel about coming on tour with us? And I was like, well, you know, I don't have a band. He goes, no, you solo acoustic. I think it would be great. And, you know, they took a chance on me and, and it, it worked out great. And like I ended up doing like a full, a full year's worth of touring with those guys. And it was just, I mean, it was mind blowing. It really was unbelievable. Yeah, that seems crazy to me, man. I mean, that's cool as shit, but I couldn't imagine just getting used to being the, uh, you know. It was nerve wracking, but it was, yeah. it was, it was, I, I, you know, I learned a lot from it, and it was just, like a wonderful experience, and just, you know, what an opportunity. So, you know, obviously, being in Thin Lizzy is probably like the ultimate highlight. But I, so I guess other than that, what were some, what were some bands that were maybe like the top? you know, that you opened for, you know, your, I mean, they've all, it's, they've all been amazing. I mean, the Ramones, Motorhead, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, Pantera, Cheap Trick, Def Leppard, Alice Cooper, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, the, that the right there is an impressive, yeah, you, you know, <laughs> you know, Guns and Roses. I mean, it's, yeah, you know, it's been, it's been unbelievable. I've been very blessed in that department. We've played with a lot of my peers and, uh, and all those bands have been spectacular and have been good people to be on the road with, you know? Yeah, man. That is crazy. Well, I expected, like, you know, a two or three, a list of two or three favorites, but I guess with those, with all those bands, that many great bands, it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you would pick a favorite, so. You can't really, you know, every tour is different for a different reason, and, and you, you know, you're getting to see your favorite bands play every night, you know, for five or six weeks, and you get to know them and get to come friends with them. It's it's really something something special. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I'm hoping that you guys can get back out on the road sooner than later. Oh, I mean, man, me too, and, yeah. I mean, we're all feeling that way, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, man, I don't want to keep you too long. I really appreciate you calling in and everything. And uh, thanks, bro. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that good things happen with this record. And um, you know, I'll tell you, I, I know I already kind of 
was laying it on a little bit talking about that ballad. But this really is like my favorite as far Thank as you. the whole record front to back. This is my favorite Thanks. thing I've heard from you. So well, I appreciate that. And that's not just me kissing your ass because you're on the phone with me right no, now. So <laughs> I appreciate it, man. It's all good. Thank you so much. All right, Ricky. Well, hey, man, you have a good yeah. rest of your day. You take care, and hopefully I'll see you out there sometime. Thanks, brother. Be safe. Thanks all for right. having me on. Yep. Thanks. Goodbye. <laughs>